Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Philippians chapter 2, we're reading one verse to begin with today, and then we will uh, we'll read many, many more verses together in just a moment. Reading from the New Living Translation today, it says this, But I will rejoice, the Apostle Paul says, I will rejoice, Even if I lose my life, pouring it out, pouring his life out like a liquid offering to God. Just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. I want to highlight this section where he says he's going to pour out his life like a liquid offering to God. Now a few weeks ago as Pastor Robbie opened the service Um, he made mention of uh, something about being empty. And he just just addressed us and helped us who who might have been empty to just come and and, and let God minister to us. And when he said that, it just sort of went off inside of me like a bomb that, that not only have I been empty many, many times, but my suspicion is that on any any given Sunday, many, many of us are also empty because that's just the life that we live in this culture and in this society. So I know that that concept resonates with all of us at one point or the other. And by the end of worship, I had the outline for this message. So if you were there and you saw me grab my phone, I wasn't like ordering lunch uh, or texting with my wife. I I wanted to get it down before I I forgot about it. it. What I saw in that moment when he said that, what I saw in my mind was a cup. It was a cup. Now, Paul used a similar analogy in the, in the scripture that we just read. And when he said his life is being poured out like a liquid offering before the Lord, he was saying, he was saying when I die, I plan to die empty because I want everything inside of me to be poured out for the sake of others and to the glory of God. Another person said it this way. They said, I, I, I don't want to have one ounce of anything useful left inside of me when I die. I want to leave it all on this earth so that others can benefit from it. So Paul anticipated, anticipated being poured out for the Lord on this earth. But that's not the kind of empty that I'm talking about. The kind of empty that Pastor Robbie was talking about, the kind of empty that I think we all experience in our lives is different because there's a difference in being poured out and being drained. There's a difference in being poured out and being drained. Poured demonstrates purpose. It's intentional. It's meaningful. Paul was intentionally allowing the contents of his life to be distributed to other people for their spiritual benefit. It was purposeful. It was, and it was a good thing. It was, it was worship to God, he said. All too often in our lives, we find ourselves empty, but it isn't, it isn't either purposeful or is it positive. As a matter of fact, sometimes we don't even realize we are empty. What happens is we recognize the symptoms. 
We, we just, we feel, oh, there's just, I have no energy. I have no joy. I have no interest in really doing anything. I'm just sort of dragging myself day after day through my routine, living for the moment when I can finally just fall into my bed and just go blank for a few hours. And, and we worry sometimes if one more thing happens. Y'all ever had one of those one more thing days? Like if I get one more phone call, if I get one more nasty customer, right? if, I, if, my, if my spouse says one more thing to me, don't say amen. It, it, we have those moments in our lives. We have those moments where we just think if one more thing happens, we're not going to have the energy and the strength to face it. That's the kind of empty I want to talk about today. The kind of empty that many of you are probably experiencing today. So this message is called very simply, what to do when you're empty. What to do when you're empty. And each of the three points is a homonym. Now, see, Bree's not the only English teacher standing on this platform today. Y'all remember what homonyms are? They're words that sound the same, but they mean something different. They mean something different. So today, if you find yourself empty, this is what I want you to remember. I want you to remember holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. And they're all three spelled differently, and they all three mean something different. So let's dive in and see what in the world. Pastor lost his mind again. So let's see what what this has to say to us today. The first thing you, you need to remember when you find yourself empty is holy. Plug the holes. Plug the holes. When you find yourself empty and you weren't poured out for somebody's benefit, you have to ask yourself, how did I get empty in the first place? And listen, you don't have to be a genius to figure this out. If, if it didn't come out the top by being poured out, it had to have come out somewhere else. And that can only mean one thing. You got some holes in the cup somewhere. You are holy, full of holes. The only way you're going to stop the emptiness is to plug the holes. Now, the Bible is full of examples uh, and full of warnings about things that will poke holes or, or, or punch holes in your life. And I want to show you a few of them. In Psalm 31, Psalm 31, verses 9 through 13, here's what the psalmist says. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. How many times have you ever prayed a prayer started something like that? I'm in trouble. (laughs) Tears blur my eyes. My body and my soul are withering away. I am dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. I am wasting away from within. I am scorned by all my enemies and despised by my neighbors. Even my friends are afraid to come near me. When they see me on the street, What the psalmist meant was when they see me at Walmart, they run the other way or turn down another aisle. Somebody say amen. I'm ignored as if I were dead, as if I were a broken pot. I have heard the many rumors about me, and I am surrounded by terror. My enemies conspire against me, plotting to take my life. Dude's having a bad day, right? And you've all had those days. We've all had them. King David is the one who wrote this psalm, and he's in a bad way. King David is having a problem. He's crying a lot. 
Now understand, he says, my eyes are blurred with tears. This is David. This is King David, the warrior. This is the one about whom they sang the song. David has killed his tens of thousands. This is a man's man. And he's saying, listen, I'm crying a lot. Maybe not in public where everybody can see. Maybe not even on the outside. But on the inside, we're a hot mess. He said, my strength is drained out. You see the analogy there? He is drained by some, not poured out, he's drained. The holes in his life have drained everything from him. He feels like he's withering away. He feels powerless to do anything about it. He feels like he's dying. Now, look at some of the things that have, that, that have punched holes in his life, the things he listed in those four or five verses. First of all, grief and sadness. Grief and sadness have punched holes in his life because life is difficult. Life's tough. We just talked about it in the, in the heart attack series that I did in September. There are wounds in your soul that if that's your mind and your will and your emotions. There are wounds in your soul that if they're left untreated, they'll leave holes in your life. We have, uh, David said, I have enemies as well. I have enemies. We all have enemies. We all have enemies. Now, they're not flesh and blood enemies. Ephesians 6 says we don't have any flesh and blood enemies. We have spiritual enemies. Now, sometimes those spiritual enemies will will, uh, use people to work through, right? But the real enemy is the devil. So when you feel like you're surrounded by people who, who hate you, or you're surrounded by people who criticize you and put you down, you're surrounded by people who seem to find the cloud inside of every silver lining, or when you're surrounded by people who seem to just be waiting on you to mess up so they can pounce on you, that will punch a hole in your life that drains you. What else did David say? He said loneliness. Loneliness. He said, I'm ignored as if I'm dead. According to mental health experts, people are more connected now than they've ever been in their lives with all the technology we have available to find the people in our lives. And yet, according to them, this is the loneliest group of people who have ever been alive on the earth. Now, some, why is that? Sometimes it's busyness. Sometimes it's, it's some kind of offense that's gotten in there and separated people. Sometimes we self-sabotage our own relationships. There are a lot of reasons why we're lonely. But loneliness like that, David said, will drain the life out of you. What else did he say? Sin. Sin. David said very, very clearly and very specifically, I think it was verse 12, that sin has drained the life, it drained the strength from me. See, you can't claim to walk with Jesus, continue in sin, and expect to have the joy of your salvation. That's just not how that works. Trying to live like that is a miserable experience. Part of the reason is because the church, the pastors of churches don't do a very effective job in telling people what following Jesus is really about. It's not praying the magic prayer. It's not signing the card, shaking the pastor's hand. It's not about that. We've got to be honest with people so they can count the cost is what Jesus said. We need to tell them up front, yes, Jesus wants you just as you are. Yes, everyone is welcome at the foot of the cross, but he is absolutely not going to allow you to stay the way he found you. He's not. 
That's not the way that works. Nowhere in the Word do you find justification for that kind of salvation. His love for you. We love to quote John 3.16. We love to talk about God as love. Well, His love for you will cause Him to convict you of the sin that's operating in your life because it's bringing death and it's separating you from Him. And your love for Him will cause you to want to give that stuff up and want to try to follow His will and His way for your life. If you try to straddle the fence, it's just going to poke holes in your life. Now what else causes holes? Jesus identified two more in Matthew 13. Very familiar parable. In In this verse, Jesus is explaining to His disciples the parable of the sower. And he says in verse 22, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. So what are, the, what are two more things that cause holes in your life? Worry. Jesus talked about worry a lot. And he, he said if you allow yourself to worry... You are draining the spiritual energy and and the faith out of your life. You're draining it right out of your life. You won't be able to produce any spiritual fruit because you'll be empty. You'll be devoid of anything that produces life. The second thing that Jesus said is the lure of wealth. The King James calls it the deceitfulness of riches. The lure of wealth. Now how, how how is wealth deceitful? Well, do you know why they call it a fishing lure? Some of you are way more qualified to have this conversation than I am. I've been fishing like three times in my life, right? But why do they call it a lure? Because it presents itself to the fish as lunch, right? Or dinner, depending or breakfast, depending on when you fish. It presents itself as something that will satisfy it and fill it up. But in reality, it has no nutritional value for the fish <laughs> has nutritional value for you. No nutritional value for the fish. It's not food whatsoever. It's a deception. It's the same, Jesus said, it's the same with wealth and with all the trappings of wealth. The cars, the houses, the money, the trips, the status. They, they promise to fill you up, but what they actually leave you is empty. It's not that they aren't fun. It's not that they aren't inviting. It's not that they're not glamorous or whatever it was that you expected. It's just that they can never satisfy your real need in your soul because that's not what they were ever intended to do. So when we find ourselves empty, we have to remind ourselves that we are holy. We are full of holes. And the only logical thing that you can do when you find yourself full of holes is plug the holes. So if you're dealing with grief or with sadness, be honest with yourself or some sort of unresolved pain in your life. Be honest with yourself and get healed from that. If you have fallen for, into worry, stop worrying and start praying and believing because you can't pray and worry at the same time. If you've been chasing other things in life to fill you up, then change your focus and get it back on Jesus. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. If you've fallen into sin, repent and ask God for the strength 
to change. Understand repentance is not just saying I'm sorry. It's not just being, it's not just being upset because you got caught. It's your confession to the Lord that not only are you sorry or, or that, that you have done that thing, but you're committing not to do it again. If you're lonely, find out why you're lonely. And remember that you can't change anybody else. You can only change yourself. The answer isn't manipulating people into meeting your needs. The answer is in finding your peace and your, and your, your needs in your companionship with Jesus. You see, when, when other people sense your desperation, they're repelled. But when people sense your contentment that you find in the Lord, then they're drawn to you. So if you find yourself empty this morning, plug the holes. That's the first holy. Here's the second holy. H-O-L-Y. Holy. And, and, and that means wash the cup. The first holy means to plug the holes. The second holy, wash the cup. What better time is there to wash the cup than when it's empty? When we find ourselves in those moments of exhaustion, those moments of emptiness, take time to really honestly assess what we've allowed in our lives. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I'm holy. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of Him during your time as foreigners in this land. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty, see the emptiness that's drained out of your life, the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom He paid was not mere gold or silver. Instead, it was the precious blood of Christ. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Followers of Jesus are still called to live a life of holiness. It's, it's not popular to preach anymore because so many people swung to the ditch of legalism where they, where they found evil in everything. Right? You couldn't say this, you couldn't do this, you couldn't go there, you couldn't wear that. It was so random and disjointed, it was hard to keep up with what you were and were not supposed to do. It made no sense at all about half the time. What I finally settled on, as I grew up in a, in a church kind of like that, what I finally settled on was anything fun you couldn't do. But now we've swung to the other ditch. We've swung now to this, this ditch of unrestricted freedom. This cheap grace ditch. You know, what, what in the world is cheap grace? Well, it's this, it's this hellish idea that because Jesus died for our sins, then now we are free to commit all the sins we want to. That we can do anything we want because Jesus paid it all. And that is heresy. It's a lie from the pit of hell. 
The grace of Jesus Christ is free to all who will surrender to him, but it was not cheap. So this idea that we can just continue to do anything and everything that we want because Jesus paid it all makes absolutely no sense and you can't find any foundation for that in the word. Let me show you two places. Romans chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. Paul said, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Paul asked the question. And then he answers his own question. You know a preacher's rap is wound up when he asks and answers his own stinking question. And Paul said, of course not. As a matter of fact, the King James says, God forbid. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and then we're going to go to verse 13 because Paul wraps up a whole bunch of stuff in his conversations. Verse 1, he says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Look at verse 13. For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. We've been called to be holy. When we find ourselves empty, we have to take the time to check out what's on the inside of our lives, what's inside the cup. Because the inside is the most important part. Because what comes out of our mouths and what gets demonstrated in our actions begins in our hearts. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 23. He said, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. Did you hear what Jesus said? Clean the cup. Clean the cup. Clean the inside of the cup because it's the inside that's the most important. So while you're empty, while you're weak, while you're searching, take, t- take a really honest look at yourself. Pray the prayer that the psalmist prayed. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my ways. See if there's anything in me that is offensive to you. So take, take a really honest inventory of what's inside the cup. Are we, are we looking like Christ on the inside? Are we developing His character and His nature? Are we putting on the mind of Christ? Are we building a strong Christian faith from the inside out? Or are we content as good Southerners to just have cultural Christianity? Are we satisfied with looking like we think Christians are supposed to look? Are we satisfied with wearing a cross necklace and saying, bless your heart and putting a fish on our car? Is that enough? Is that all there is to it? Or are are we satisfied with going through the, the motions and the routines? Or are we truly committed to getting the sin out and being holy because Jesus is holy? It's not like he's asking us to do it on our own. If we could do it on our own, he wouldn't have had to send Jesus. Jesus is our righteousness. He gives us the power we need to be purified 
on the inside so that what's on the outside is not a show. That it's a real, true expression of what Jesus is doing on the inside. So listen, this might set some of you free. Quit trying, quit spending your time trying to change what's on the outside. Because you're just playing whack-a-mole with the manifestations of a dirty cup. Clean the cup. And then what's on the inside will begin to replace all that old nasty stuff on the outside. Now listen, this is important. Don't just plug the hole of sin, meaning the action of the sin. Clean the residue in the cup. You ever taken a cup and you, just, and you poured it out and you went, eh, that looks okay. I'm really talking to guys. <laughs> really talking to the guys. You're like, yeah, that'll work. And then for some reason you just decide to take a napkin or something and just wipe it out and you're like, ah, I almost put that stuff in my mouth, man. That's nasty. There's residue left in the cup. Like, John, what in the world is residue? It's those sinful attitudes. Those, those habits the mindsets, the vocabulary. It, it's the emotional connections that we have to the people and the places and the activities and the memories of the stuff that we did before we met Jesus. It's that attitude that those were the good old days and now Jesus came and took all my fun away. Anything that links you with your old sinful past, that's the residue. And we have to ask Jesus to wash that stuff away as well. So if you found yourself empty, plug the holes, wash the cup. So that's holy and holy. And now here's holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Be filled with the right stuff. Be filled with with the right stuff. See, once you've plugged the holes and cleaned the cup, you've got to choose what you want to be refilled with. Because remember, you're empty. You know, you know what most people do. They do the exact same things they've been doing. They do it over and over again. And guess what happens? They wind up right back in the same boat six months down the road. Because they didn't really change anything on the inside. Don't fill yourself up with worldly, temporary things again. If you do, you're just going to ride that roller coaster of being full and then being empty. Decide what you want to be filled with. Here's where holy comes in. Decide what you want to be wholly devoted to. Take some time. Now, if you don't listen to anything else, please hear this. Take some time to examine the nature of your relationship with God. And, and here's the question I want you to ask yourself. Do I have a transactional relationship with God or do I have a personal relationship with God? Is God your business partner? Or is He your Lord and your master and, and your friend? Here's what I mean. Do we only come to God with the list of things for Him to do for us that we can't do for ourselves? Like if we had the power to take care of all of the problems that we face on the earth, all of the challenges, all the mountains that we have in front of us, if we had the power to take care of all of that, would we ever talk to God? Do you have a personal relationship 
with Him. See, I don't want to be used by God to fill other people up and then be left empty myself. God's beginning to change kind of my paradigm, kind of my mindset. I think that's what Paul was talking about when he said, I I don't want to have helped all these other people and then I get to the end of my life and I'm a shipwreck. I've just, I've wasted all of that time and effort. They're fine. I'm a mess. And it happens every day. And it's not just pastors. It's anybody who's involved in trying to do the work of the ministry. If you're not careful, you're going to wind up in this transactional relationship with the Lord. So I'm trying to change the way I pray. I've stopped. I'm trying to stop praying, God, use me. God, speak through me. Because I don't think that was ever the extent or the method of God's plan for us. Jesus said, out of your belly will flow what? Rivers of living water. Rivers. So my prayer has become, God, fill me with your word. Fill me with your purpose. Fill me with your power. Open my eyes to see the kingdom opportunities in front of me. God, fill me so that other people can be filled, not with everything that's in me, but from the overflow of what you've placed in me. You understand the difference? Because what happens when you get weary in well-doing is that you see God for what you need for your next ministry activity, and then when you pour that out, even if it's intentional, once it's gone, you're empty again. And so you get in this, you get on this hamster wheel where you're just constantly trying to fill yourself up enough so that when you pour yourself out, nobody else will know that you're empty. So you have to change the way you think you have to change you have to change your concept of holy with a w be wholly devoted to filling yourself up with what the word says to fill yourself with so psalm 119 verse 11 he says i've hidden your word in my heart that i might not sin against you if you read the entire all 176 verses in chapter 119 of psalm you you'll read about the word of god and the and the whole message of that chapter is fill yourself up with the word of god look at ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life instead be filled with the holy spirit Look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. And, and this hope will not lead to disappointment because we know how dearly God loves us because He's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with what? With His love. The love of God. Look at Romans 15 and 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you'll overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be filled with joy and with hope and with peace. And this confident hope in Christ Jesus, which is really a great definition of faith. And then look at Philippians 4, chapter 8. Now, brothers and sisters... One final thing, fix your thoughts. In other words, fill your mind up with what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Fill yourself with the thoughts and the attitudes that are fitting for a child of God. 
So when we're sold out to Jesus, we're going to be full of those things. We're going to be full of generosity. We're going to be full of grace and truth, full of hospitality, full of purpose, full of fire and passion for God, full of desire to see the kingdom advanced, to see souls saved, to see lives changed, to see people discipled, full of passion for living out the calling that God has placed in our lives and using the gifts and the talents and the abilities and the opportunities and the resources that God has given to us to glorify Him. And when we're all, when we're full of all that stuff, we don't have room for any of the stuff that drains out of the bottom. This is the stuff that allows us to pour ourselves out purposefully into others because it's from a source that will never allow us to run dry until we're until he's finished with us and our assignment here on this earth is done what do you do when you find yourself empty plug the holes wash the cup and be filled with the right stuff wholly filled with the right stuff and i want to close today with two examples from the word real quickly King Solomon was a very, very blessed man. You read about him in the Old Testament. He wrote, uh, he wrote a book of the Bible called Ecclesiastes in which he walked through um, what he found in all of the things that he had experienced in his sort of charmed existence. Uh, he had abundant wealth. He had astounding wisdom. He had incredible power. He had all the pleasures of, uh, of many women. He had, uh, he had enjoyed everything in this life that the world says a person should want and ask for. And this was the conclusion that he came to in the 12th chapter and the 8th verse of the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon said, everything is meaningless. Completely meaningless. All the stuff that he had filled himself with. Do you hear his misery? He filled himself with everything the world had to offer when he could have filled himself with the Word of God. He could have filled himself with worship of God. could have filled himself with the pursuit of God. But instead, he chased after the things the world said was worthwhile, only to find out in the end that there was nothing there. It didn't satisfy He got to the end of his life and recognized that the stuff he had filled himself with only left him empty. By contrast, in the New Testament, we hear what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. This is the next chapter from where just a few paragraphs in the letter that he wrote that we read a minute ago when he said he wanted to be poured out. He said this, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anybody could. Now here's here's Paul's resume. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was uh, eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedient to the law Uh, to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. As for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. You're like, wow, Paul kind of full of himself, isn't he? Well, keep reading. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with 
the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his, for, for his sake, I've discarded everything else so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I, am, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right depends, uh, right with Himself depends on faith. Look at what He said. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead, the resurrection power of Christ. I want to suffer with Him, sharing in His death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Paul said, I used to be full of myself. I used to be full of my own accomplishments. And I realized that all that stuff was useless. It was garbage. Now the only thing I look to fill myself with is Jesus Christ. With His resurrection power. With His selfless suffering. And with His blessed hope. Listen, I don't know what you might have been filled with today, what you might have allowed to fill yourself with, but I believe that many of you are empty today. Maybe you filled yourself with the pleasures of this world. Maybe you're filled with pain and grief and regret. Maybe it's sorrow. Maybe you've been filled with your own self-righteousness and your own religious accomplishment. I've heard people so arrogant enough to say, well, I, me and God's got our own thing going. Listen, whatever you're filled with, it doesn't really matter because it's the same result. You're empty unless you are filled with the eternal things of Christ. So today I want to challenge you. If you're empty, I want to challenge you to be very, very careful about what you do next. Be intentional about it. Be purposeful about what comes next. Remember, holy, holy, holy. Find out why you're empty. Repent of any of the sin that might be in your life. Even the stuff that's just residue. And then fill yourself with the things that are eternal. The things that won't run dry. Things that you can pour out into other people's lives that will leave a legacy for them and will spur them on to be filled with the same eternal things. Why don't you stand with me this morning, please? this morning. I appreciate the way you've received the Word. But now is the most important part. It's not just that you've heard the Word or that you even understand the Word. it's, It's now the time where you decide whether you're going to actually do anything about it or not. Because it's one thing to come and hear it and enjoy it and pat me on the back on the way out and preacher, that was a good one. And then go right back into the same lifestyle that you were living when you walked in here. God has something more for you. Something better for you. He wants to fill you with stuff that doesn't run dry. But it's up to you to receive it. So if you're here and you've never actually surrendered yourself to Jesus, you've never said, Jesus, you're the, you're the boss. You're the boss. I signed the card. I prayed the prayer. I shook the pastor's hand. Nothing ever changed in my life. I just knew I had fire insurance. That's not how that works. It's just not. And I'm sorry that you've been deceived. 
probably by somebody very well-intentioned. But the, the truth of the Word of God, and you can read it for yourself, is that Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, there's a price to pay. You have to count the cost. You have to be willing to put me in charge of everything, of your decisions, of your resources, of your life. So if you've never surrendered yourself to Him, then I want to invite you to do that today for the first time. If you've done it in the past and you've strayed away for whatever reason, then I want to invite you to come and to surrender yourself to Him again, to repent and say, God, I took back all those things that I dedicated to you so long ago, but today I want to lay them back at your feet. I want to repent of all that stuff. I went and tried to do my own thing, and that just did not work out. And God, I'm sorry, and I want to come home. And then if you've got other issues in your life that you want to pray about, whether it has to do with this message or whether you've got a relationship issue or a financial issue or a decision to make, whatever it is, if you want to come to this altar, I'm going to pray real quickly. And then this altar is open and you come and pray about anything you want to pray about. The team's going to come. We're going to sing one last song together and then we'll be dismissed. But in these last, in these last few moments together today, don't rush through it. Don't wish it away. Really open up your heart, open up your mind, your spiritual mind, and listen to what the Spirit might say to you today. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.